been a minute since I've gotten to speak. I think it's been since last October. A lot's changed since then. If you guys would go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be tonight. Um, we're going to look at the first 21 verses. So, strap in. As always, I like to thank the church just for the way that you guys have loved and taken care of me and Hagen. I, I like to thank you guys every chance I get to speak. And so, thanks for loving us. And we're coming on three years. It feels like a lot longer, but we've been here for three years. And... <laughs> I meant that in a good way. I, I know that sounded bad, but I meant it in a good way. So as you turn into Ephesians chapter 5, on Wednesday nights, we've been we've started a new series this year, and it's called, What Do I Say When? And a few months ago, I asked the teenagers to write down some questions that they didn't know the answers to that they've encountered whenever they're trying to have conversations with people about the gospel or just talking about Jesus in general, talking about church. And so I took their questions and I built a lesson series around that, and that's been going pretty well. Um, we're going, going into our fourth lesson this week. Um, and I've tried to do a lot of series like that. Uh, before that, we looked at the 14 apostles and we just kind of looked at how God, um, how Jesus um, used them and the different ways that they made a difference for Jesus. And we just talked about how they're just regular folks. They weren't special, just God used them in a special way and he can use all of us in a special way. Um, before that, we looked at the um, the fruits of the spirit and that took a little while. Um, just how those characteristics and traits are supposed to be emulated in the life of a believer. Before that, we did the Ten Commandments and how God introduced them in the Old Testament and how Jesus kind of expounded on those things. And I, I whenever Hagen and I were trying to brainstorm about a name for the youth group, because you know all successful youth groups have like those catchy names, uh, we went. We decided to go with foundations because that's what we believe our job is, as our ministry, is to uh, give students the foundation that they need to know where they stand with God, but also to be able to effectively communicate the gospel to others. And so that's kind of where our whole thing comes from. And so as I was getting ready for this, I was just kind of, you know, that shouldn't just be the the goal for the youth group, that should be the, the goal for the church, is to for all of us to know where we stand with God, but also to be able to effectively communicate the gospel with uh, anybody that we come into contact with. So before we get started, I wanted to ask a question, and um, I wanted to ask what generation everybody identifies as, but that's kind of a loaded question. Everybody kind of has a different interpretation of what counts as a millennial and what doesn't. I just thought I'd simplify things. Um, raise your hand if you're tw- if you're un- under the age of twenty. Okay. This isn't supposed to be hard, but it, it may be. Um, all right, now raise your hand if you are in the age bracket of twenty to thirty-five. Okay. Now raise your hand if you are in the age bracket of thirty-six to fifty. Okay. Now raise your hand if you are fifty and above. All right, so we've got, just to, <laughs> just to simplify things, we have four different generations in this room. We're just going to say that those are the different generations. Those are the life cycles. Um, every generation has something to say about the other generations in the room. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I'm a millennial, um, and so that comes with uh, its pros and its cons. Um, I have opinions about every other generation in the room, just like you guys do. Um, some of them great, some of them not so great. Um, I've heard older generations talk about how my generation is everything that's wrong with the world, and I've also seen how I can make that same argument for the generation coming up after me. Lots of different generations in the room. Um, God's word is pretty clear that when it comes to a church, 
the younger generations are supposed to look to the older generations for wisdom and the older generations are supposed to be people that can be a role model to the younger generations. I mean, it says a lot more than that. But that's kind of the gist of it. Um, but so often I think that we find in churches and not just First Baptist Oak Grove, but definitely in First Baptist Oak Grove, sometimes those generations that we have um, are in conflict with one another. And it makes it difficult for us to effectively work together as a church. If within our own church, we have generation versus generation kind of feelings towards each other. And so tonight, my message is called Living by Example. Um, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at some verses. We're not going to get into verse 22 and beyond that, because the Lord did not lay it on my heart to start talking about husbands and wives and uh, how they're supposed to... Uh, you know, operate within the marriage. Um, maybe that'll be on Brother Tony's heart sometime soon, but it's not on mine. Um, but we're going to look at how we should be, all of us, no matter what generation we are, living by example to both the younger generations that are coming up after us, but also to the older generation that has come before us. Starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrificing and a sacrifice to God. We're going to stop there. We're going to keep reading the other verses as we go. So, therefore be imitators of God. That's a very big daunting command, right? Just imitate God. It's simple. I mean, it is simple um, on paper, but when we start trying to put it into practice, some of us don't even get that far. We don't even try. I, sometimes, you know, you just have that job at work that's just too big to start, and so you just don't want to start trying. You just move on and procrastinate. I feel like that's what we do sometimes whenever it comes to imitating God. It's just, it seems like it's too big of a job to overcome, but it's really not. This is not the only command that God gives us that seems like it's a tall order to fill. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. In Luke chapter 6, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Ephesians 4, in the previous chapter, he says, Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And all the way back in Leviticus in the Old Testament, he says, You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not always um, merciful. I'm not always perfect. I'm not always forgiving the way I should be. And I'm definitely not someone that would be in the category of holy. And yet, these are commands that our Heavenly Father has given us. God has set the bar for us extremely high. And the only way that we're ever going to come close to living up to these expectations is for us to first know Him, but then also to spend time with Him. Um, it goes on to say, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself. This past Wednesday night, we spoke about the topic of what do I say when someone says love is love? And how do you effectively communicate what God's word says if someone believes that everybody can love anybody and it doesn't matter? Uh, and we, what we learned is that there are four different kinds of love. Most of the time we talk about three, but um, I, through my studying and stuff, I saw that there are four different interpretations of that word love whenever it was being translated. Each different kind of love is situational. There are different kinds of love for certain kinds of relationships that you have in your life. For example, you probably don't want to love your family the same way you love your romantic partner. Um, we show affection in different kinds of ways. And so we need to figure out what kind of love is being referenced in this passage. 
Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. What kind of love is being referenced in this passage? Is it that eros, romantic kind of love that's being referenced? Is it that um, storage, familial kind of love? Is it that phileo, brotherly love that we would have with a close friend? I don't think so. I think when it says gave himself up, He's talking about that sacrificial, steadfast, enduring, unconditional, agape kind of love. And as Christ gave himself for us, he was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. That is something that pleased God. And so what Paul is telling us is that we, just as Christ gave himself as a sacrifice for the world, we need to be walking in that same kind of sacrificial, steadfast, unconditional love. And when we do that, we are pleasing to God as if a sweet-smelling aroma. If we're going to be imitators of God, we probably need to do things that are pleasing to God. So how do we walk in love? If we're talking about being an example and we're talking about um, imitating God, then how do we walk in love? Well, that's where the rest of the chapter comes in handy. I don't consider myself a smart man, so most of the time I need things dumbed down in a very simple to understand kind of way. Hagen can attest, I don't do well with vague instructions. I need you to make it crystal clear. And the rest of this passage this uh, evening, God is doing just that. He's telling us exactly what he expects of us. Starting in verse 3, it says, And do not let sexual immorality or any impurity or greed be named among you, as these are not proper among the saints. Abstain from sexual immorality. I think it's so funny that the very first um, specific instruction given under walk in love and imitating God, the first thing that Paul addresses is sexual immorality. Um, that's just funny to me because it's such a big deal in the life of a believer. I mean, it's it's a plague to our world. So he says, abstain from sexual immorality. And I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. I'm going to move on because I think we all know what that means. It says, verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. We talk about being a deceiver and spouting empty words. Um, one thing that came to mind just to kind of expound on that is being careful about situations where you give your word to somebody. Um, my grandpa has a lot of silly sayings. One of them that I like to say is, um, whenever you get the shiver, possum ran across the grave. Hagen hates it when I say that because I do it every time. He also says things like my stars and gardens. Um, but one of my favorite uh, expressions that he uses is, I'm Lord willing and the creek don't rise. I just thought that that was funny. Um, but then as I got older and I realized what it meant, um, he is making his intention known that I'm going to be there, but he's not giving his word. I always just kind of thought that that was silly. But in the Sermon on the Mount, one of the first things that Jesus says in his very first public message is to let your yeas be yea and let your nays be nay and not to swear by uh, your father in heaven, not to swear by the earth, not to swear by Jerusalem. None of us can guarantee anything is going to happen. And so we need to be careful about when we commit ourselves to things that are beyond our control. You know, that passage goes on to say, who of you by just thinking it or saying it can make your hair change colors? And that's a simple thing in the, in the grand scheme of things. So if we don't even have the ability to change our hair color just by thinking it, then what makes us think that we can give our word and ensure that what we're promising is going to come to pass? Um, 
When we talk about empty words, empty promises, I think, fit in that category. And in the life of a believer, it's very important that we don't lie. Don't partake of deceivers or um, those that spout empty words. For you were formerly in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, one of the series that we've done upstairs is we've looked at the fruits of the Spirit and how those are just characteristics and traits that need to be emulated in the life of a believer. And so to walk in darkness is to not live by those fruits of the Spirit. I'm curious if any of the teenagers can remember and say all of them in order, but I'm not going to ask anybody to. I'm just going to, in my head and in my heart, believe that they could. Walking in darkness and not walking in light is not doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. It's living a life of integrity despite who's around you. Moving on, it says, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but in all things are exposed when they are revealed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise men, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Making the most of the time that we have. I will be the first to admit that before Hagen, I was not someone who was well-versed in the ways of time management. I didn't do it. I didn't uh, practice it. And I was not a firm believer in it. And being married to, <laughs> being married, and uh, just seeing... Uh, her example, I, I now understand the benefits of making the use of your time, making the best use of your time, I should say. So in the life of a believer, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, I think it's taking every opportunity that we have to share the gospel with somebody. Now, I've tried to make it a point every day when I'm subbing now, no matter what school I'm at, to just at least try to have one conversation with the student, whether it be sharing my testimony or whether it be... Um, inviting them to church or asking them what church that they go to, what kind of spiritual beliefs do they have, addressing a certain sin, because sometimes the kids like to get their subs in trouble by asking them a loaded question. Um, just having at least one conversation because I want to make the most of the time that I have. Um, not making good use of your time and improper time management is letting those opportunities slip by. Um, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so uh, who knows if you could... Uh, lead someone to the Lord tomorrow. Uh, you're never going to know unless you look for those opportunities to have those conversations. And one of the big reasons I will say um, that Hagen and I want to take the students on a mission trip so badly is because we want them to go and experience life outside of Oak Grove. And, and we want them to start taking advantage of the opportunities that they have now, because we know that as they get older, those opportunities are going to be fewer and fewer. And they have such a rich mission field at schools that they're going to right now. And so maybe if we go to South Carolina, they'll get bitten by a bug while they're there and they'll want to come home and start making a difference in our community, um, hoping that they'll wanting, want to start taking advantage of the time that they have now. Do not be drunk with wine, for that is reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. I don't have anything to add to that. Once again, simple, dumbed down, uh, easy to follow instructions. Uh, I don't have anything to expound on. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's a bit of a tongue twister because in psalms, 
hymns and spiritual songs. You feel like you're saying the word songs twice. Um, so I didn't understand what this meant at first when I was reading and studying for it. And so I started looking and quite simply, this passage is telling us that we need to look for opportunities to worship both in private and together. Uh, now I'm up here every Sunday now. Um, and I'll be honest, I'm not always looking out at everybody because I'm trying to make sure that I don't mess up the words because quite often the ladies will sing one word and I will sing another. Um, but I will say that the few times that I do feel confident enough to look up for my music, we're not always doing that. There, I, and listen, if you can believe it, I grew up in a more conservative association of Baptists than the Southern Baptist Convention that I find myself in now. And so I understand that worshiping does not come easily to everybody. Um, not everyone feels comfortable at freely expressing themselves during worship. But, and I'm sorry that I keep referencing you, babe, but um, I've seen what someone who feels that they can freely worship and freely express themselves during worship, what that looks like. Um, and it's it's humbling and it's powerful to see somebody who just wants to be so close with God that they're not worried about anything around them. I know what that looks like now. And I can tell you that there is a difference in singing a song and worshiping God. And I feel like most of the time we're just kind of singing songs. God wants us. Paul is telling the church of Ephesus and he is telling us today that he, God wants us to look for opportunities to worship in private. I mean, anytime we're going on a road trip or anytime Hagen's in her office, she's listening to worship music. That's all she wants to listen to. Uh, she takes every opportunity that she can to worship in private, but God doesn't just want you to worship in private. He wants you to worship with your church family. Verse 20 says, give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God likes to be appreciated and he likes to be told that he's appreciated just like anybody else. I like to be appreciated. I know you guys like to be appreciated. It's We just want that. We need that validation to know that we're doing a good job. And to be honest, if we're, we want to be recognized when we're doing a good job. God wants that too, but the only difference is God deserves it. God wants us to thank him for all that he's done for us and not just go to him when we need something. And verse 21, being submissive to one another in the fear of God. This is where I think that our generational conflict comes from because every generation in here feels like their way of doing things is right and everybody else is wrong. And I get that, but that's not biblical. What's biblical is serving one another and humbling ourselves and addressing the needs of those around us. Even if that means that you're going to have to do something not the way that you like doing it. Um, and this isn't the only time that God tells us to be an example. Um, and again, in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others. First Peter 5, but being an example to the flock. First John 2, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. It is very clear in God's word that he wants us to be an example to one another and to the lost. We've respectfully, biblically, and in love, we've got to get over ourselves. And we've got to see that there is a generation around us that needs us. And this is from the youngest generation to the oldest generation and all the generations in between. Um, that is not how a church 
That is not how a church should effectively operate. What happens is if all, if your group of people think that your way of doing things are the best way and everyone else can just forget themselves, then that breeds resentment and that creates more conflict. And that's how churches split because I've seen it before. We're just going to go and find a preacher that preaches the way that we think and we're going to have our own congregation. And then before you know it, they find themselves in the exact same situation because... For a church to live and for a church to be healthy, you've got to have more than one generation so that it can continue. We all need to step up and be an example to those around us. Be the change that you want to see. That's an expression that I've heard used before. I need to be an example to my teenagers, obviously. Uh, You've hired me to do that. You trust me to do that. And I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. But I shouldn't just try to be an example to my teenagers. I should be an example to my fellow millennials. And I need to try to be an example to the generations that have come before me. Um, and I mean, I'm teenagers. I know that you guys know that too, but if you're tired of hearing everybody gripe and complain, then step up and be our example. You live according to God's word and you humble and convict us and show us where we, where we're failing. Um, and I just, I, I truly believe that if each generation in this room, if each person in this room does that, then the spiritual health of our church is going to dr- drastically improve and we're going to continue to thrive and we're going to continue to have people come and want to be a part of our faith family. If you're lost here tonight and you've never known Jesus or if you've never accepted him, um, you're not walking in love, but you can be. That same agape, unconditional, enduring, steadfast um, love that we see offered by God, that's free to everybody. And so anybody can experience that love. And I truly believe that you can't truly love somebody until you've experienced the love of God for yourself. You can kind of love somebody with those other non-unconditional loves, but until you've experienced that for yourself, I don't think you really know what love is. Uh, if you have a question about that, ask. And I would encourage you, if you have a question, ask one of our teenagers, because I have every bit of confidence that they know the answers to the questions that you have. So let's all try to live by example.